small-scale curated spirits and brewed beverages are not new. But we almost always examine products only on flavor. We speak with a CEO who is successfully scaling the products of the company in a data-driven way. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Scott Hansen, CEO of Island Brands USA in Charleston, South Carolina, a company that makes socially conscious, super premium adult beverages. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. So I have questions about your marketing materials really talk a lot about the socially conscious uh, aspect of your company. Can you tell me a little bit more about those goals and how you develop them? Yeah, we, we really subscribe to providing a give back component for all the products that we sell. We feel really strongly that it's great to protect the environment that we live in and enjoy. And as a part of that, you know, we, we, uh, we pledge 1% of our revenues back to 1% for the planet. And how, was this something that you developed or that your team developed that was suggested by, how did that happen? Actually, so uh, the, the uh, you know, 1% for the planet was actually started by the gentleman that founded Patagonia and North Face. And mm-hmm. we felt um, they, they put together, they really challenged um, other companies to, you know, give back in meaningful ways. As, as, uh, and, and, and they did a really great job of kind of building that ecosystem. And so for us, when we started the company, we always look to give back in meaningful ways, particularly back to the environment. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we when we finally got to enough scale, we we recognized that that ecosystem that that they created was really well equipped to support our give back needs. So, do you think that? When you're doing your marketing, that that makes a difference to people. Do you think people make the choice because to you to drink your products because of that, or how much does flavor play? How big a how well, big a role is flavor? Yeah, I, you know, I think the notion the notion initially was to make sure that you know the the uh, the liquid inside our our cans and bottles and kegs were were. Uh, you know, as good, if not better than the marketing on the outside. I'd like to think that the, um, you know, kind of the, the tenants of our brands are not just the, the marketing from a, you know, cool factor, uh, but the product is also all clean. So we really subscribe to all clean, better for you uh, products. And, and obviously the give back component 
is uh, is a is central to uh, you know the brand's ethos. So tell us what you mean by all clean. Um, well, there's uh, there's there's kind of uh, you know um, in in all CPG consumer packaged good products, there are you know levels of quality, and um, we subscribe to only the finest ingredients and the highest quality ingredients in all of our products. And so that to us is clean. Okay, okay. And so does that also mean that not only the amount of give back that you're doing is in place, but also in the way that you are, um, that you're producing your product, that you're mindful of environmental effects? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't actually, um, you know, we, we, we look for the best of breed kind of world, world-class partners when, when, you know, um, when we make our products. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, we, we obviously look for, you know, those partners that are good stewards to the environment. Um, but, but we don't, we don't really control that aspect of, uh, uh, we, we pick the right partners that have, that are mindful um, but, but we don't, we're not too deep into the, the actual, uh, you know, production part in terms of like using solar wind versus, you know, uh, you know, however, however they, you know, but we look for partners that are mindful. So tell me how you got started. How did you decide to, uh, to become involved in this? Um, well, I, uh, I, I did a sailing trip to Cuba and went in Cuba, recognized that there was an opportunity to send uh, better quality products to that country. At the time, the Obama administration was allowing for normalized relations with Cuba. And, um, and uh, that was really the impetus for Island Brands. The State Department had other ideas and couldn't, didn't, didn't at the time catch up with the White House. And so I was never able to get the products uh, that we created into Cuba, uh, but but um, obviously pivoted and and now um, you know we we supply the products in uh, 14 southeastern states as well as uh, fleet wide on Carnival cruise lines. So I mean I think that that's that's a really enormous amount of states. I I know how difficult it is to go from state to state, getting permission to distribute in that state. And so how, how long has that process been? And how did, did you just start, did you just start in South Carolina and then just kind of add states after that? Or how did you, how did you get going? Um, so I think there's a three-part question. Sure, I'll take the course. first part. All right. The, the, um, the company, we, we've had the products in the market for five years. Uh-huh. Uh, we initially launched in South Carolina after uh, being in South Carolina for about six months. Um, we got a call from one of the uh, largest um, retailers in the Southeast that asked if we could bring the products to seven more states where they have uh, their stores. And we were able to go into all the states um, with um, with those grocery stores, and since then have continued to grow. 
Um, yes, it's a ton of hard work. Um, you know, our team works really hard to, uh, to, you know, maintain the integrity of our merchandising on the shelves. And uh, we have great distributor partners uh, that assist us along the way. And so how have you made decisions about what products to add? Uh, you know, we're very data driven. So, um, you know, we, we really look at segments that are growing, um, but, but are not, you know, uh, you know, too, too crowded or over indexed. And so, you know, we've, we've gone into some portfolio extensions beyond beer, including flavored malt beverages and spirits. And in, in those two additional lanes, we've kind of carved out our own, you know, niche of, of all clean products that we feel are, uh, you know, uh, you know, have, have, we have a place uh, for those occasions for Island brands. And all of your like aluminum cans and things, those are all recyclable. So that is also, I guess, part of your, your environmental consciousness. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I really like the cans because they get cold so fast. <laughs> so, so tell me what your, what your goals are. I mean, I, I see that you really are growing. You get recognized by all of the business magazines and all of that for the speed at which you're growing, which is just remarkable. Do you, I mean, it, do you think it's, do you think it's taste? Do you think it's marketing? I mean, I know you probably can't divide it up, but how, how do you see yourself growing so quickly and what are you doing right? Well, I think, um, I think that the community that is really, um, you know, been, been gathering um, and, and, and supporting our brands since early on and continues to grow, um, you know, appreciates a better, better, better quality product at a, uh, at a fair price. Um, uh, and, and, and I think that that give back component is, uh, is also key. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we like to continue to grow distribution, um, throughout the domestic U S and so, uh, we're working on, uh, expanding throughout the Northeast currently and, um, and we'll continue to grow until, uh, hopefully the brand is ubiquitous. And we, uh, you know, we have, um, you know, uh, found all those folks that are out there that uh, also want to become Islanders. So what, what do you do in terms of your practices with, um, with your em employees? And, uh, you know, right now it seems to be something that people are looking into where, um, especially in the hospitality industry, um, there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of issues involved in um, the way um, the hospitality industry got treated during the COVID close downs and all of that. How are you dealing with any of those issues with your company and knowing that many of the the bars and restaurants in the hospitality industry have been so affected. Um, you know, we, we, um, 
we 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 uh, we we hopefully have put all that in the rear view. Um, it, it's been certainly challenging for companies and 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 you know a lot of folks in the FMB space. Um, but um, you know we we kind of maintain uh, you know kind of a, a keep manifesting positivity, and uh, we support that community where we can. Um, and uh, you know they they've been very generous and supportive of island brands um so i think there's a a good symbiotic relationship between uh, island brands and, and our food and bed partners uh so uh you know when on the onset of covid we uh we pivoted pretty quickly to create a fund to uh to support those folks that were out of work um and so uh you know that has since passed thankfully and uh you know now we're just uh looking forward into the future and continuing to uh, have a good time with those folks. So during COVID, did you have to pivot more um, toward more direct retail and either grocery stores in those places where you could be sold in grocery stores or ABC stores rather than in a bar? Did you did you have that kind yeah, of we, we, assessment? Yeah, we do? already had a pretty strong revenue. Most of our revenue is derived from major grocery, and that's where most of where uh, today we even make our revenue. We, you know, we for whatever reason, COVID made it even harder to uh, to get that awareness and exposure into you know those bars and restaurants. And I would say that that's even transferred today. You know, we, we, we don't actually sell our products to bars and restaurants. We have to sell them to distributors. Sure. We then sell them to bars and restaurants. So, you know, our, our distributors, um, you know, you know, rightfully so, you know, they, 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 they also had those challenges. Um, and I think that those challenges are still out there today for everybody, uh, other than, you know, the, the really big conglomerates who uh, are somewhat commoditized and, you know, have a, have a seat, I think, uh, at most tables and bars and restaurants. Um, so that's just, uh, it is what it is. You know, we, uh, we, we continue to put one foot in front of the other. We do have champions out there in the food and bev community that have uh, recognized uh, that they want to provide an alternative to some of those more commoditized mainstream products. And uh, where where we do get a, a menu print or a bar handle, um, a top handle at, at, at those at those you know places, uh, we we tend to uh, be um, you know very very popular with uh, with those consumers uh, that are exposed to our brand. Um, you know, getting it there is a whole other story. But where we do uh, where Island Brands is served at bars and restaurants. Um, we, uh, we typically, uh, have a very sticky factor and, uh, consumers ask for it and, uh, and rely on it. So where is that the strongest where in the country, um, or in your distribution area, is that the strongest? Uh, for us, it's really in our backyard in Charleston, the Charleston community, uh, uh, you know, got behind us pretty early on. And so, um, you know, in Charleston, South Carolina, we, we have a, a great deal of on-premise um, accounts, uh, but um, I think that in 2023, 
based on some, um, you know, some efforts that we're putting forth, um, that, that, uh, that, that's going to expand in, uh, in, in, uh, a lot of other States. Let's just put it that way. So I'm going to ask you a question about something in my backyard here in new Orleans, and that's tales of the cocktail. Do you see yourself, uh, being part of Tales of the Cocktail as a way of creating awareness with to bartenders? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope so. You know, we're, we're uh, working with a distributor right now to launch statewide in Louisiana. Um, so once we, uh, once we um, think we ink the deal, we're just waiting for the order. Once we get the purchase order, then the, uh, the good vibes will be flowing through uh, Louisiana as well. So you said that you're expanding right now, or that's your goal to expand into the Northeast. Um, how big is that? I mean, are you talking all the way to Maine or is New York or someplace like that going to be sort of the center? We're, 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 we're currently working on the coast. So uh, up Delaware uh, into uh, New Jersey and uh, New York, as well as um, uh, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. And then uh, we're, we're looking to kind of fill those states in. Um, and, uh, you know, go, go kind of where the, uh, higher populations are, but eventually we would like to be in all, all 50 States. Yeah. I can, I can imagine that you could leave some States out in the beginning simply because their population is not very large, but yeah, eventually I could imagine also that you'd want to be everywhere so that you just kind of blanket the market. So, what what new products are you working on right now? Uh, we have a um, a cinnamon tequila that is launching in Q1 uh, called Island Volcano, and we also have some ready to drink cocktails as a part of our tequila line called Island Wave Water. Those are coming in three flavors: a margarita, a paloma, and a um, uh, tequila sunrise. Uh-huh. And then we have, uh, five, uh, rum, uh, flavors coming out in the spirits lane, a, uh, a white, a spice, a dark, a key lime and a coconut rum. And then we also have a line of ready to drink cocktails, uh, using our Island coastal rum called Island riptide. And those come in three flavors, a mojito, a stormy, which is our play on a dark and stormy, and a pina colada. And so, uh, you know, we have quite a few brands that are expanding outside of beer. And um, we, uh, we're, we're going wide this year with our flavored malt beverage, uh, which is called Crush, which comes in um, three flavors, a lime margarita, a tropical punch, and a strawberry lemonade. Yeah. I think it sounds very exciting. So do you think you'll ever make a Sazerac? A what? A Sazerac. Um, It's a rye-based cocktail that's a official cocktail. Yeah, Yeah, Sazerac. You know, never, never count us out. You know, we, 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 uh, you know, Island, Island is, um, you know, kind of steeped in active lifestyle and, and, and obviously coastal, um, you know, but, uh, we're, we're, we're starting with kind of the natural fits. We fought, you know, rum and tequila, sure. uh, obviously go pretty well, uh, and, and expanding beyond beer with flavored malt beverages. 
uh, uh, you never know what the future holds. Right. I can, I could just imagine, you know, almost like a, um, uh, a cappuccino that's, you know, in a bottle or a can, you would have a, a brandy milk punch in a can or something like that. That could be really delicious <laughs> and would be really good, very cold and almost thick, almost frozen. That could be great. So I'm really impressed with the speed at which you have you have grown because I think that it's especially knowing that you had to live through COVID and all the changes in and just doing business that that required. How hard was it for you to be that flexible so that you could be prepared to change your way of thinking about things? I mean, I understand that from a business standpoint, you always have to be flexible to change, but this was an unexpected change. This wasn't something you could plan for. Yeah, there's there's a, um, a, a saying that I like to subscribe to and it's pretty simple. It, uh, if if one must, one can. And so, that's kind of that's kind of how how I operate. And I think the team that we have assembled is world class and 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 really believes in in what we're doing to provide better quality, clean products in the BevAlk space and and give back to environmental causes. And so, you know, the community has rallied and continues to grow. Our consumers and our investors have supported us. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to do it with, um, you know, all, all of the, all the folks that have helped support us all along the way. Well, I'm really anxious to see what happens in another 10 years or so. I hope that you do find yourself kind of blanketing the market by that time. At the speed you're going, you might be in other countries by that time. <laughs> oh, we're already in other countries. What countries are you in? We are in China uh -huh. uh, and some islands in the Caribbean. Uh -huh. And we're currently working on some licensing opportunities in Mexico and the EU. Ah, oh, goodness. Okay. So you're really, really already ready, making your toehold in the whole world. Yeah, that's great. Is it actually easier to deal with some of those countries where you can just do a license with the country as opposed to state by state? No, I, I think they're equally as hard. Okay. <laughs> and every country is probably different too. Yeah, every country is different. Within the U.S., every state has different laws. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the hurdle to get into BevAlk is seemingly low, um, but the hurdle to be successful in the BevAlk space is, is tremendously high. Yeah. So what do you think about, I mean, I, this is really just a policy issue, but a lot of people have talked that the fact that we don't have as many distributors in the U.S. as there used to be, so that there are really just a few big distributors, has really changed the whole industry, and that maybe we don't need distributors because all of the reasons to put them in place after prohibition and 
the policies that were needed at that time no longer apply? Do you think any of that has merit? You know, I mean, it's, it's a lightning rod question, right? Like our partners that we rely on to get our products on the shelves, they, they work very, very hard. Um, and so we, we, we are very thankful for their support and, and, and their efforts. I think that the, um, I think that the, the larger companies that are out there certainly have, like in most CPG, you know, or any industry, any larger company, when you get to a certain point, has, um, you know, distinct advantages just based on their sheer size. You know, I think that the larger BevAl companies, you know, make it harder for the distributor, quite frankly. And so it's, it's you know, they can't, they can't equally give mind share to every brand. And mm-hmm. so when you have 9,000 craft breweries in the U.S. and then massive conglomerates that include now Coca-Cola and Pepsi getting into BevAlk, you know, there, there's, there's a tremendous amount of static out there. Uh, but, you know, um, I don't, I, you know, I don't know how you, uh, I think, I think if, um, if the laws uh, uh, provided, um, you know, a, a little, a little bit more of a level playing field for, um, companies to compete for consumers, um, you know, you know, and, and there's probably a bunch of different ways to do that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we currently don't have any, uh, any, any budget for, uh, for lobbyists in DC. So, you know, until then, you know, we have to rely on our uh, investors and consumers to help drive us where, uh, where we can, um, you know, be uh, available and uh, and I think we've done a pretty good job of cons- you know engaging that community of consumers and investors to to help support our brand. And uh, you know time will tell. You know we, we're five years in, and so um, you know we're we're going to look at 2023 as as a, a tremendous opportunity to continue to grow. And uh, as we as we continue to forge forward, uh, we hope that community continues to grow and support us. I, I totally understand. I, I personally have, of course, because I come from Louisiana and I grew up in New Orleans. And so I have a certain attitude about alcohol that perhaps growing up someplace else, someone may not have. But I do find that the state by state laws that, and, and I'm saying this as a consumer, that you can't have alcoholic beverages at a picnic or in a park or something like that are just very restrictive. And it's very difficult. I know too many people who've gotten at least if not actually been arrested and put in jail because they came from Louisiana and didn't realize that you couldn't just crack open a can in a park where you were having a picnic because they just assumed that everyone would allow it since it's allowed here. Um, so it makes me think really hard about the, the laws, especially the craziness of having this crazy quilt of 
an assortment of laws as you put all the states together, whether they're ABC stores or being able to buy at a grocery store, which, you know, even grocery stores have to adjust from state to state if they're a chain. <laughs> and then how do you get into the ABC store? Because the ABC stores that I've seen often have just had the dregs of alcohol and not anything that you'd actually want to drink. Um, so I, I really sympathize with the craziness of, of the marketplace. That's my own little editorial. <laughs> you don't have to endorse it. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Scott. I really appreciate your time. I think everybody's going to love your ideas and comments and I wish you all the best in the next five years and we'll see where your company goes. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.